This impactful conversation is brought to you by Say Things Better, a method of intentional communication developed by Lila Smith. I met Lila on LinkedIn and we immediately connected due to her open heart and wisdom. She helps entrepreneurs and thought leaders to make impactful choices for their communication. The Say Things Better messaging framework is the way she managed to build her own following of over 25,000 fans. Follow Say Things Better on LinkedIn and connect to Lila through her website at saythingsbetter.com. Welcome to Impact by Choice podcast. I'm your host, Andrada Aniti. And here we find out how beautiful people make an impact on the world around them. Before I introduce to you the guest that I have as a small surprise for you, I would like to read you something. If you went through the work that this excerpt is from, then you probably already know who my guest is. If not, then that's even better. So the excerpt goes like this. I am fascinated by how our humanness manifests in our daily lives and relationships. I find that many of us have constructed a persona that is safe to present to the world. We go to great lengths to pretend and hide our flaws and vulnerabilities from others. The truth is we are flawed and that is what makes us interesting. I'm not interested in perfect. Perfect is boring and it doesn't exist. Perfect is an elaborate facade. I am more interested in authenticity and perfectly imperfect. I wanted to focus on our humanness. I wanted to talk about the things we share with our friends and colleagues. Moreover, I wanted to shine a spotlight on the secrets we don't share with anyone. Being real is interesting. Now, that was one cool excerpt that I had in front of me. And I do hope... Um, that you, the audience, agree with me because I just find it fascinating, fabulous, you name it. I'm not going to tell you whose uh, excerpt this is, but I will just straight up introduce the guest. Hi, Chris Macarola. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Andrada? I'm very well, thank you. I do hope that I pronounced your, your last name correctly. You did, perfectly. Okay, awesome. So, Chris, let's take it from here. And for the people who have no idea who you are, even though you're an amazing woman, please tell us a bit about yourself. Well, for starters, I am a proud 45-year-old woman who will be 46 in two days. And I say that because... Oh, happy birthday in advance. Yay, I'm the first one to say that. It's my birth month. And I think that a birthday, one day, is not enough to celebrate. So I have an Definitely. entire birth month. Um, so happy birth month to me. But yeah. I am a mother of twins. We're going to be 14. I am wow. um, a consultant for organizations. So I help them create emotionally intelligent leaders in the workplace. And I am a new author, which is uh, what I'm most excited about just because it was a passion project that finally came to fruition. So, um, yeah, so hashtag no approval needed was just released and uh, super excited about the, um, how people have resonated with it so far. 
Yeah, actually, in the morning, I just read um, a review made by someone from the U.S., if I'm not mistaken. And it was a really straight on point, a really brief review. But I think that I do hope that it honors what you what you wrote in there. I, I didn't manage to read your book yet, even though I purchased it. But uh, to everyone out there, if you purchase Chris's book, Don't Like Me, <laughs> just read it. <laughs> Because I well, don't understand that, that, that it's really excerpt that you read is from from the book. It's from the beginning yeah. of the book. Actually. Yeah, that's where I went to. Uh, I wanted to go to, you know, so that you introduce the excerpt. You tell us what is that about. I found uh, some very very interesting words for myself. Uh, but tell us a bit what what drove you into writing that book. How did you did you come to the thought of writing that book in the first place? So to sort of backtrack a little bit, my 40s have been a time of immense um, growth and transformation that really resulted from some major life-changing events. Um, My father, many people know that my father passed away, um, it's been four years now, and that was very unexpected, very tragic, but part of that process of, of grieving was the process of realizing that um, the illusion of control mm. doesn't, you know, it's not real, it doesn't exist. And so all of a sudden um, that event caused me to look at life through a very different lens and reevaluate, you know, what was it that I wanted out of my life? Start starting to look at those things that I had created that I needed to unlearn um, mm. because it wasn't who I wanted to be and who were those people and things that, that brought my soul joy and, and making sure that I was um, creating a way to get more opportunities to interact with those people or do those things that feed my soul. And so one of the things that I realized was that I didn't have enough women friendships in my life. And Ooh. that was my own fault because I was at 32, um, a mom of, of twins. I was a brand new mom and twin, you know, had these twins and I had a demanding career and so trying to balance that and I just found myself in survival mode. Mm. And it's not that I didn't want or think that those friendships were important. They were, but I, I had to put them on the back burner. And um, when my father died and we had a celebration of life for him and there were about 300 people that were there and, and they were friends of his from all different decades of his life. And then I looked and my sister had a number of really close women friends there and I had very few. And it was one of those life changing moments where I was like, I, I want to change this. Um, You know, women friends are important. So I made a, made an effort to go about that over the last few years and, you know, became a a leader of a women's group and reached out to old friends and made new friends through LinkedIn and, and all of that. And so as I was spending more time with all of these women, I started to hear similar themes emerge And I started to hear some really amazing stories, whether they were just funny or sad or inspirational, et cetera. And I thought somebody has to write these down. And so um, I got the idea for the book and thought, well, instead of just reaching out to my circle, it'd be really cool to see if other women from around the world were having a similar journey. And so that's when I decided that I was going to open it up and interview women from all over the world. And the result is hashtag no approval needed, which is a title that came from the conversations. So, uh, you know, really proud of it. And um, I think it's a celebration of women 
and women stepping into their power and walking away from the shackles of shame. Mm, I like that. There's, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of women who are still struggling with shame and with stigma of, of all sorts. And we, we very well know that there are still cultures that force women to do some things so that yeah. for them is even harder to step into their own potential. So from the stories that you wrote in there, would you be able to tell us about a woman from a particular culture, maybe who is conditioned to just stay there and suck it up as they say? (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I think that to your point, I mean, there are cultures where, you know, they're misogynistic views and women are, you know, are, are forced to dress a certain way or, or act a certain way. But I mean, even, even in America, I would say not just women, um, men also, we're raised in a culture of shame. And it, if you um, have studied any of Brene Brown's work, she really speaks to this, you know, she's the expert in, in shame research. But I found that that was a theme regardless of, of where the women lived and what culture right. they were raised in. Um, certainly there's, you know, religious beliefs can also, you know, be a part of that familial beliefs, how are you were raised, et cetera. But um, there is shame associated with how we raise our children. Mm. There was shame associated with our bodies. Um, oh, there yeah. was shame with, are we embracing ourselves as sensual and sexual beings, which is, Something that's very natural, <laughs> you know, this is, no, I mean, that needs yeah. to be hidden. People, uh-huh. we have sex. It, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, how do you think you got here? <laughs> so, oh, like, well, I, we're like, you probably have been dropped from the sky. I don't know. I'm just having Yeah. Fun. The stork did not drop you off. Okay. <gasps> so. Oh no, you just destroyed my whole world. <laughs> I hate to be the one to tell you, but I mean, we should be able to talk about these things and embrace ourselves and love ourselves warts and all. And so again, so shame, you know, came up many, many times, how we manage our money, um, what kind of career decisions we make, Mm. our relationships, right? Um, So it was something that I, I think was pervasive and we're all sort of trying to figure out the best way to walk away from that shame and start stepping into our power. And I feel like that was something that was consistent with women in their forties was they're finally at this point where they're recognizing that shame is harmful and it's really important to start stepping into your power. We know what we like, we know what we don't like, and we're not asking for permission or approval. And that's where hashtag no approval needed. The title came from. Right. Right. And now that, uh, that I'm thinking about what you just said, I realize that a lot of people think that women past 40 or 50 who actually love themselves and treat themselves well and take care of their bodies and put some makeup on, cool clothes, whatever, they're just weird. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's this concept. I've seen this a lot even in my country, in Romania, right? <coughs> my mom had a friend a few years ago and she was past, um, she was uh, 50 plus something, Mm -hmm. but she was, you know, um, having more earrings in one ear, 
and she was acting like you know all this uh, youth like she she also was very vivid as a person i mean very very joyful as a person and some people would would just look at her like oh my god who the hell is that weirdo you know i mean like seriously why do we need to go into that place i mean why do we right. need to get to 40 or to 50 to be able to enjoy who we really are right. so you said that there were many patterns right in, I mean, like similar stories, not necessarily patterns and not about patterns or labels or whatever. But from all those stories, was there one that affected you? I mean, like might have been a shifting point for something within you. Mm-hmm. Oh, there, there's so many. How many are they? Stories. What's that? How many of them are the stories? Um, I interviewed close to 60 women and, um, every continent was represented. I mean, obviously some continents it was Mm -hmm. easier to find women. Right. Uh, I found one from Antarctica, (laughs) but Hey, I was like, you're lucky. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And she was totally badass and amazing. Um, there's so many, I mean, there were stories about love and loss. I mean, there's a story from, a friend of mine whose daughter died of, of cancer and Ooh. her daughter um, was just shy. I believe, I think she was 11 when she passed away and my daughter was 11 at the time. And so oh I could, I just resonated so much with um, this journey, this two year journey that she shared of, of her daughter's battle. And um, what I saw from that was well a her her daughter's just this amazing soul that people all over the world gravitated towards because you could just see how special she was mm-hmm. um, but what I saw more than anything was this beautiful love story between a mom and a daughter and yeah. it it was so incredibly powerful and special um, so I talk about that in the book and I've gotten so many people who have said how that just you know really touched their soul and men and women, how they were reading that and just bawling because it was um, just so powerful at a very fundamental human level. Um, One of my favorite stories is about a woman helping another woman. And it's a story about the woman that I interviewed who was on a first date and she was wearing a white dress and she didn't know that she had gotten a period. And so she was bleeding. Yeah. And another woman came up to her who did not know her and discreetly whispered in her ear. And she was wearing a scarf because she was undergoing cancer treatment and she was wearing a scarf to hide her bald head. And she took her scarf off and wrapped it around the waist of the other woman and tied it on her. And I just thought, Oh, that is such a special story of one woman helping another woman, one, you know, human to human. And Mm. um, again, just so powerful because I think like, you know, I think it's a, it's a moment to pause and go, would I do that for another human? You know? Um, and so there's so many, there's a, a woman who was a police officer who was a mentor for, you know, women in a, in a male dominated industry. Mm-hmm. And she talks about this transformation that she had where she realized how impactful her, her work was not just for, um, the women, you know, in her department, but worldwide, she was being recognized and she was on a, 
a whale watching excursion and she talks about seeing this whale breach the water right before her eyes and you know this elation that she felt and how she realized symbolically that that was her in the whale where she could mm -hmm. achieve greatness and it was just this moment of like oh my gosh this this is so much bigger than just me and the ripple effects that our work and our why can have on others and so there's so many so many stories in the book that I think anyone can relate to um but and I was just so honored that these women opened up I mean there's lots of stories that are very taboo also but again mm -hmm. that's our humanness and I wanted to give a voice to the um the parts of us that we don't often tell other people maybe yeah. maybe we might tell our best friend but we we're really afraid to say some of those things out loud and I you know, made it psychologically safe for them to do that because they were confidential interviews. Right. Right. That's one thing that I, I truly appreciate about you doing it confidentially, you know, because it's like protecting the identity of the person and just offering them the space to actually speak up yeah. yet not being affected by the result. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talk about, um, some of the changes that our bodies are undergoing and, mm -hmm. you know, some of that is, is just really funny and, but it's embarrassing. And so people don't want to talk about it out loud. And so, but it's, but it's nice to be able to see something where you're like, Oh, I'm not the only one, you know, and I've yeah. done a lot of that too. And so, um, so that, that's always fun. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Got it. Now I really want to go and read that book, <laughs> especially the, the, the taboo stories. Definitely. I'm going to go there first, probably. <laughs> oh yeah. Some of them are funny and some of them are like, Whoa, what? I mean, there's, you know, there's admissions of infidelity in there. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some of the most embarrassing stories that I, I was crying laughing when they were telling me them. And I, I was just so honored that they trusted me enough to tell me these stories and allow me to put them in the book. Right. Um, yeah, just good stuff. I'm sure. Can I, can I go even a bit deeper and ask you how, how did you manage to get these interviews? I mean, did you have video calls with the women or were they right? Video calls? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, some of them were done in person. Most of them were done through zoom, like what we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, that enabled me to really not be able you know, to, travel the world without leaving <laughs> my house. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just amazing how technology makes this possible. And, um, and they allowed me to record, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, but I was transcribing as, as we did the interviews. And so, um, it was just a phenomenal experience. And yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, from, so uh, transcending a bit from writing to what do you do from an emotional intelligence coach, right? That's what you yeah. are a consultant. Mm -hmm. um, are you thinking about writing a book in this area or is there yeah. any, any other project coming up for you in the writing area? Yeah. So I, I think if I do want an emotional intelligence, it will be, probably on the area of organizational blind spots. Mm -hmm. So just like we as individuals have our own personal blind spots, organizations absolutely have blind spots. And so it would be about emotional intelligence in the workplace, but in highlighting 
where organizations falter, where they have these blind spots and how it harms them. And then, you know, empowering them to, to make a change that would affect their people, their productivity, engagement, um, and customers, and ultimately the bottom line. So that's, that's one area that I think about. And then the other one would be doing something similar to hashtag no approval needed, but doing it with men. Because I Oh feel, my God. Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of men come up to me even before the book was released as they knew that, you know, I was doing this with women and saying, Oh, this would be so wonderful because men don't often have these kinds of conversations with other men. And so, you know, they, they might possibly do it with, their female partner, but they don't do it with friends. Mm. And so, or, you know, even male partner, they don't do it with friends. And so they're not getting the, Oh, like I'm not the only one experience. They think they're the only ones going through something. You know, when they talk to their friends, generally it's about sports or it's about career. Those are two safe topics. And why do they do that? Because they just like women are raised in a culture of shame and it's not okay. They get the message very early on. It's not okay to talk about those things that make you feel vulnerable. It's not okay to show emotions, man yeah. up. And so they don't have an, they don't have an outlet for these kind of conversations. So I think it could be really powerful and very healing for them to have a book that was, you know, specific to the male perspective on similar topics. Oh my God, I would definitely love that. And not just to read it, not just to learn from men what they think in, in the deepest, you know, in, um, in the d deepest room of their mind, so to speak, but to see the reaction of other men who read the stories yeah. of these men that you will be interviewing. So fingers crossed, I really want you to do this. I mean, not want but i really wish that it will happen because you know actually one one of the of the topics of my first book of the one that i published was precisely this and in my book most men cry if mm -hmm. not all yeah mm -hmm. no most of them yeah do cry and my intention for that was to actually reveal the fact that even men have feelings and it's yeah. okay to allow themselves to feel Mm -hmm. Because, you know, and I would add to the topics that you said that uh, men talk between them, just sports or business, I would add bragging, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, how it goes. It's posturing. It's, it's, it's part of their defense mechanism for yeah. how they protect themselves in a culture of shame. Yeah, it's, it's true. Somehow. Yeah. But still, I, I would love to see men become more vulnerable and just coming yes. up front and just speaking from the heart. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah, so, because I think that we, the message that they have gotten is it's not okay to experience emotion. But when, when they do that, they're denying their humanness. That's not how true. we're wired from a neuroscience perspective. So it's like they're always wearing a mask. And that's exactly yes. Yes. So if we can give them the freedom to, to take the mask off and be and get in touch with the vulnerable parts of, of who they are, which is what makes them very human, I think it can be powerful and healing for them. That, that would be, in, in a sense, how other call to, um, to get in touch with their feminine energy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And yeah. then... 
this is where yeah. we come into balance, right? With with masculine and feminine energy, right? So yeah, absolutely. right now men are just rejecting fully the feminine energy out of shame, you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. one of the one of the reviews was on Amazon was by a man. I don't I don't know him personally. And he said when he read it, he was so jealous of the types of friendships and deep conversations and the sisterhood, so to speak, that women have that men, men just don't have most of the time. And he said, some of the you know topics that were discussed among women, he said, I would only ever trust my, my wife to mm-hmm. be able to have that conversation with her. I would never do that with another man. And, and it's wonderful that you can do that with your female partner, but your female partner doesn't have another man's perspective in mind. She's coming at it from her own perspective, right? So I think that, that men need to understand that they're not the only ones going through something or feeling a certain way. And, and so to be able to hear another man's perspective, I think is really important for them. That's true. That's true. We spoke of, of, about vulnerability. Um, I, I would like to t- touch this, uh, this topic from the perspective of children. So you have twins. You said that they're going to be 14 soon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to ask you, how do you teach them to be vulnerable? Mm-hmm. I think if we think about vulnerability um, from the standpoint of the way Brene Brown talks about it, it's, um, it involves risk, yeah. emotional exposure, yeah. and uncertainty. And that's why it feels so frightening to be in a vulnerable place, right? But I can assure you that the magic only happens when you're in a vulnerable place. Because when you're in your comfort zone, that's the acceptable level of mediocrity, that's where you're just existing. You're just a bystander. Nothing exciting is going to happen there. there so I go. always tell my kids, and I think the book was a good example of that. It was a super vulnerable place for me to be. And you know this as an author, you're putting your words out there. There's no taking them back once it's published, right? Yeah. People can critique it. They, and especially when you're writing on something that um, can be considered very taboo and controversial, people may not like it. Um, you're opening yourself up to criticism. So emotional exposure, risk, and uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I don't know how people are going to react, right? Are they going to hate it? Um, so I think that was a good example of it. But what I tell my kids is put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to fail. Expect failure. Yeah. And failure provides you an opportunity to learn and grow. Without failure, you're, you're not experiencing the journey. You know, you're playing it way too safe. And so... Recently, my daughter was telling me that she wanted to do some musical theater. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to also teach them about, you know, to rely on themselves, to be independent. So I was like, you do the research, let me know what you find, uh, and I'll support it. So she, like 10 minutes later, she comes back in and she says, yeah, I've decided that I don't want to do it. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. You just said you thought you would love it. You wanted to do it. What happened? She goes, well, I don't think I'll be good at it. And I'm like, mm. okay. Everybody has to start from somewhere. How do you know unless you try? You've got to put yourself out there. It's okay if you stumble. Expect to stumble. That's going to provide you that opportunity to grow, learn, and get better. 
Yeah. If you're always playing it safe, you're denying your soul joy. Essentially, that's what you're doing. Oh, you're so you cannot, right Yeah, you cannot experience pure joy if you're always playing it safe. It's impossible. It, is. it doesn't work that way. Oh, okay. I love that. I love that. Especially because your kids are at that critical age where they just want to fit in with the others, you know, to go with the cool kids. Yeah. Yeah. Super self-conscious right now about everything, um, mm -hmm. you know, because they're in that, that teenage place. And, and I get it. But if we don't start training ourselves to embrace risk and vulnerability, then we're just always settling. And yeah. that's not, that's not, as Brene Brown would say, you know, living a life with arms wide open. Yeah. Which is what I, want to do i want to live a life with arms wide open but that requires me putting myself out there that's true we all know how hard it is to grow right especially if we are in the first month or years of our journey of our business startup or we're coaching or we're writing and we want to spread the word about us we all know that is pretty difficult to get the word out there. But that's exactly where I come in. I want to host an ad about your business into my podcast, Impact by Choice. So look me up on LinkedIn, Andrada Anite. I would love to work with you further on and I would love to help you boost the visibility of your brand. Get ready for the free global app that works for you. WorkApp is set to revolutionize the way people connect in their personal and professional lives. Finally, there's a one-stop shop to help you post jobs or gain employment. Would you like your very own digital shop without any fees or charges? A global messaging service. And you can also post all types of events and courses, and you can buy, sell, or rent any items you wish. WorkApp is a global platform that helps you find what you need, when you need it, without any costs or delays. So, sign up for this exciting new service today. WorkApp works for you. Let me tell you about a new show that I came across lately. It's called One Nation Radio and is that kind of show that simply unites the entire world through the voice of the host. So just go ahead, give it a listen and support John Gora, who is a new podcaster and will definitely appreciate it. Would you allow me to make a, a, a small parallel because you've spoken that uh, you wrote about women and that men, um, that you want to write another book for men, but Fortunately, at this moment, after you released your first book, you already have a young woman and a young man in house as children. Yeah. So from that perspective, when it comes to vulnerability, which one of them is more responsive? Mm. I think they both are afraid of vulnerability in, in different ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, my son, when I first started my business, he was like, well, what if you fail? Like, That's a valid question. What if I fail? I was like, are you still going to love me? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, exactly. So if I fail, then I've learned something, right? 
I won't know unless I try. True. I don't think either one of them are at the point where they're embracing risk openly at this mm-hmm. point. It's a, it's a process. It's a process for adults. It is. You know, but we just, um, I think, first of all, you have to teach them self-compassion and self-love. So when they allow self-doubt to creep in and I start to hear them saying things that are very negative towards themselves, because mm-hmm. we do it as adults too, yeah. trying them to listen in to what they're saying and telling them that your brain believes what you tell it. So if you're telling yourself, I'm no good at this, I can't do it, that's what your brain's going to believe. So we need to rewrite that script. I think that's important. And then I tell them, you know, would you tell a friend that? Would you tell a friend the same terrible things that you're telling yourself? No. Well, then why are you telling yourself those things? You know, so it's about bringing awareness to those doubt, those self-doubts. And, you know, I use myself as an example. Self-doubt is a universal phenomenon. Every one of us experiences it. We can't allow it to dictate our behavior and our choices in life. So we acknowledge it, you know, we experience it, we acknowledge it. Okay, that's right. That's self-doubt that's creeping in. How can I change it and move myself to the next step and not allow it to prevent me from following my dreams or my goals? I mean, I call that ghosting on ourselves. And I think that's also a universal phenomenon where most of the time when we use the term ghosting, we think about it in terms of like a dating relationship, you know, where Mm -hmm. someone is stopped communicating with the other one out of the blue. But I use it in reference to we ghost on ourselves when we stop giving our ideas and our goals, the attention they deserve because we've allowed self-doubt and fear to creep in. And so we, we put it in the corner where we can't see it because we don't want to recognize that we're really letting ourselves down. So we give ourselves the lame excuse of, you know, I'm too busy to do that now, or I'm just not ready yet, but I will be in the future. You know, all of that is just a lame excuse. And it's, it's denying yourself the ability to pursue what's, what, what's in your heart, what's really important to you. And so um, we have to turn that around. We have to catch ourselves doing that and confront it. Mm, That's, that's really interesting concept to catch ourselves doing that. But that, that requires us to be very present in the now. Yes. Really yes. anchored, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and to lean into the fear. <laughs> right. That's correct. I want to ask you, also related to your children, and I do hope that it's okay in regards to being in the now. Because I know that a lot of children, when they hear about the concepts that we're talking about, you know, rewriting the script, um, you know, not letting self-doubt creep in and stuff like that and being in the now they're really skeptical and maybe even mocking here and there and friends are definitely not helping in that yeah. so um if if your children would, would come to you and ask you i don't know if it happened yet but if they would come and ask you how could i anchor myself in the now at you know at this very age that i'm at what would you advise them Well, anytime they are worried about something, but I'm a yogi, I practice yoga almost daily and meditation I think is really important. So I teach them to do the deep breathing, which immediately gets you out of your head and helps you to focus on calming your nervous system down. When you do those deep belly breaths, it's telling your nervous system, everything's okay. 
And so, and it helps you to reconnect and get grounded. So mm -hmm. we, we practice that. And, um, and then, you know, we, we use whatever our thought pattern is to be a red flag alert for, is this something that I want to play on auto loop? Is it harming me or helping me? Those are, that's a very easy question to ask yourself, right? If it's harming me, then I need to rewrite that script. If it's helping me, then I want to say it more. <laughs> I want to let it go on auto loop. And so um, it's, again, it's bringing awareness to the situation. And so that can be used. Those are very simple strategies that can be used, whether you're in a social situation, whether you're facing a test, um, a big presentation, you know, whatever you have a race or a volleyball game, whatever it is that you need to get grounded and anchored for, those are two easy strategies um, that you can employ no matter the situation. And no, ma and no matter of the age, right? Right. Regardless of the way. Right. Yeah. It's very, very simple. Yeah. That's awesome. I need to implement that. God damn. I, I so love, you know, right now, you know what I just realized? I so love interviewing people for this podcast because I learned so many things. And, you know, you just coming up today, you just made me realize that. So thank you. I'm really grateful. You're very for that. welcome. My pleasure. I mean, until today, I really did know that I like interviewing people, but now I realize that I love doing this, which is, and it, there's a difference. Well, good. I'm glad that I didn't make you realize you hated it. Yes. <laughs> that would be no, because then you would, you should have helped me, you know, rewrite the script, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're absolutely amazing. It's like, it's, it's a truly inspiring conversation. Seriously, really inspiring. Yeah. And I'm learning a lot. So because of that, I would like to give you the freedom of telling us what would you like to expose further on so that people know about you, about what you do, about what you have as, I don't know, as plans, as whatever. Just tell us something that you would like to communicate. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm in a really interesting phase of my life where I'm really open to lots of different opportunities. Mm. So I think I think options are exciting. So I'm not boxing myself into anything. I, I work with organizations and I and I love that work, but I also really love what I created with hashtag no approval needed. And I love that I'm being asked to help women's initiatives from around the world. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that aligns with my values. And when I started my business, I didn't think I was, I never saw myself going this route. It's just sort of evolved organically. And if I can help shed light on the fact that there are places in the world where my sisters don't enjoy the same rights that I have, where they are very oppressed um, they're afraid to use their voice. Real harmful threats are, are um, that they face those every day. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, and, and then the gender disparity gap in pay and education, government representation, healthcare, those are things that are important to me. I mean, it's, yes, even in America, we have gender disparity in, in some instances, but but for the most part, we have a lot more rights than some other places in the world. And mm -hmm. I think it would, I would be remiss not to remind people that, you know, not to take this for granted and that we, we owe it to our sisters around the world to help raise awareness and help improve their lives. Um, we're so grateful for the things that we have and, and we have work to do in America too. 
Um, but there are places in the world where they really need our help. And I think that that's important. Okay, that's admirable. So if you have all the money in the world, let me ask you this. What would be the first cause that you would direct that money to? Mm. Oh gosh, that's such a hard one. There's so many amazing causes. Um, gosh, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many. I mean, it would, it, it definitely was something empowering women, but also, mm. um, gay rights, I think are, are really, really important. I have a number of people in my circle that are gay and um, a couple of them live in countries where they can be killed for, for loving someone. And I think that just breaks my heart. Um, so I, I don't know, there, there's, there's a lot of organizations that I'm really passionate about. Um, I can't answer that. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's a tough one. That's a tough one. That's, that's like, uh, you know, on, on LinkedIn, people will tag me and they'll ask, you know, who inspires you the most? I can't, I can't just answer that with like one person, you know, who are your top, fair, right? top three? There's, there's too many amazing, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I hear you on that. I, you know, usually when, when they say just tag your top three people, it's like, Okay, but I have like top 500 people. How yeah, can I can't. there's so many people that inspire me. There's so many worthy organizations. It would be a really tough decision. It'd be a really tough decision. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Not a good answer, but it's, it's the true answer. You know that there's no good or bad answers. That's, right. Well, that's, that's true. That's true. See, I just served you a pill. <laughs> you did. You did. You helped me rewrite the script. <laughs> Oh, okay. Did I? Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So what's, what's next for you for the coming year, Chris, for, for, sorry, for the um, remainder of this year? Well, um, right now I'm in total book promotion mode as well as working my consulting business. So it's balancing the work that I do with organizations with continuing to promote and get the word out for the book. Um, I had somebody reach out to me yesterday who said, are you interested in um, doing some kind of documentary? And I was like, well, yeah, of course. Um, so That's I don't know, great. you know, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, obviously um, public speaking because you can amplify your voice. And for so sure. uh, a Ted talk is always, not always, but like for the last year, I'm looking at my vision board. So I have a picture <laughs> of, of me standing in front of the TED stage because I attended one of the events and mm -hmm. it's a reminder to me that that's a goal of mine. So right now I have a few people that I'm, that are nominating me for a TED talk at a women's event in December of this year. I don't know if I'll get accepted or not, but I would love to because I feel like the, their theme, which is um, bold and brilliant without apology what can fit better to your to what you have just wrote? Uh, right. What you just so wrote, right? I'm like, this is this is my this is perfect. This, but you know, we'll see if I get accepted. But that would be you will. That would be amazing. I would what's love the, to. Chris, what's the power of intention again? I know, right? I need I need to just put. I, and I have. I put it out there. I asked a few people. You know, hey, I need your help here. 
because um, it's not in it's not in my state. They don't have the women's event, so I would have to travel. But like whatever. So um, so we'll see. That's what I'm. Universe, do you hear me? I want to do a TED talk at a women's event. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. See. See, I'm supporting you. Universe, Chris wants to talk to a TED talk. Please help her. <laughs> there you Thank are. You're you. backed up. Exactly. Law of attraction. My my message could be so impactful. <laughs> yes, it would. Yes, it would. Because many more women should understand that they shouldn't be afraid of talking, of speaking their, their minds, right? And yeah. at least trying to empower each other. Exactly. Even if in closed circles that will slowly open up, right? From one yeah. to another, just like the ripple effect. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's another theme from the book and something that I'm really passionate about is for so long, because we haven't had the same opportunities that men have had, many of us have operated from a scarcity mindset. Yeah. And I want to change that narrative. I want us to operate from an abundance mindset understanding and knowing that we are stronger together and like, Hey, let's extend a hand and help each other move the needle forward, you know, and, and also to include men in that because we can't do it alone. Um, we need everyone to come together to realize that this is, this is good for all of us, yeah. but especially for women to collaborate instead of compete. And so oh, yeah. oh, you just pushed a huge button here. Why, yeah. why would, tell us, uh, Chris, why would women go for collaboration instead of competition? And then I would like you to extend this to why should men go towards collaboration instead of competition? Yeah. So for women, again, especially like if you look at, you know, the corporate world, mm -hmm. right, there are so few opportunities to move up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's better at a um, frontline manager or even mid-level mid management level. The opportunities have, are better than they used to be. Mm -hmm. But once you get past mid-level, there's so few. And, you know, take it all the way up to CEO. It's like, come on, let, you know, I think it's like around 7% of um, women are CEOs. So, you know, obviously we've got a lot of work to do there. Recently, I was at a big pharmaceutical conference. and a woman that I knew had been promoted to a higher level management position. She was a, um, a director level. Mm -hmm. So she's in charge of the whole Southeast. And, and I, I laughed to myself because it was just, it was perfect evidence of the state of affairs for where we are in corporate America. So there's a banner and it's all the men that are at her same level and she's the only woman. And I'm like, how do they not, how are they embarrassed about this? that, you know, they're displaying this and they don't recognize that this is, you know, further evidence of we're not there yet. We're not even close yet and we shouldn't settle for this. So I was congratulating her on her promotion. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, let's look at this banner. What do you notice? And she goes, well, I'm the only woman up there. And I said, yes. And this moment is bigger than you. Yes, this is a tremendous achievement for you. But now what is required is awareness that it's up to each one of us to extend a hand. I said, women, you know, at the lower levels are looking at you mm -hmm. and they're seeing that you've done something that other women haven't done. And now it's your opportunity to be a mentor, 
to help them achieve as well, to send the ladder back down, to extend a hand, all of those things. And she was like, oh my gosh, you're right. But it hadn't, that level of awareness wasn't there until we had that conversation. And so um, again, it goes from having that scarcity mindset to that abundance mindset. If we help each other, we're, we're going to achieve greater things. When yes. we're there, that's wasted energy. That's not helping a situation. Um, and, and again, we have to involve men in these conversations. They have to realize that we're not attacking them. Um, we're not blaming them. But there needs to be some awareness that since the day they were born, the deck of cards has been stacked in their favor. It's not their fault that that is the way it is, but it is the way it is. So let's acknowledge it. Because just being born a female automatically puts you um, at a disadvantage worldwide. It just does. But we need to change that narrative. Um, women are doing amazing things. And, you know, not only are they doing amazing things with work, but, I mean, we, we are the ones who support the world. <laughs> you know, we give life to the world. We take care of the world. Um, and, and then we're doing amazing things on top of it. Um, with our, our life's purpose. And so from just even from a um, economic standpoint, it, if you don't believe it's a moral obligation, just even from an economic standpoint, <laughs> let's go there. Let's go to talking about money. It makes sense that women should be paid for their work. It oh, helped yeah. when, right? I mean, this is like, this is a, an economic um, prosperity issue for the world. We, we need to change things. So, you know, women are, are doing the brunt of the unpaid work. And when that happens, they're not able to you know, support their families and they become a burden on the system. So, we, you know, we need to change that. We absolutely need to change that. We need to value what women bring to the world. Do you have any idea how impactful your last two minutes speech is? Are you even aware of that, Chris? Uh, I'm working myself on stepping into my power and the awareness of that. No, seriously. I mean, you're, you're talking about huge things here and I'm, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily a feminist. I am definitely on, on the equal rights, human, human rights in the first place. And I do believe that you're there too, but still, I mean, you're, you're incredibly empowering. Thank you. I believe that. And, and speaking, of, speaking of talking about that, um, I want to go and, and combine um, the concept of power with the concept of choice. So how do you feel about the power of choice from any sort of standpoint that you want to expose? I think it's huge. I mean, I think just from a psychological standpoint, mm -hmm. We know that people are happier when there's autonomy, when they're able to choose. And so whether that's at work and you're trying to create an environment where people feel energized, enabled, and engaged, we know from research that the more autonomy that they have to feel like they're making an impact on the environment around them, um, bringing value to the work that they do, autonomy plays a big part in that. But even like going back to my days as a school psychologist when I worked with children and 
when I started my career, I worked with um, severely disabled children who often had difficulty communicating. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the first things that we would implement when we were teaching the parents or the teachers how to work with these kids was giving them the power of choice. Mm -hmm. And so even if they couldn't verbally communicate, um, we could do it through, through play and we would give them like two or three choices with toys. Do you, you know, do you want the truck? Do you want the car or, you know, whatever the third one was. And, and, you know, if they, their eyes went to one, like, Oh, okay. You want the truck. But even if they couldn't communicate verbally and they looked and the, they glanced for, you know, longer than a couple of seconds, that was how they were indicating or right. you know, turned their face or um, they made an effort to nudge with their hand. And you started to see behavioral problems decrease because they were able to communicate what they wanted. And that's a very powerful thing. We all want to feel like we have some kind of choice in our lives and that, you know, it helps us, you know, feel like we're, we're bringing value and our, um, our thoughts and feelings are being considered. And that's an important, that's an important thing. That is because we're, we feel that we are being listened to, right? Yes. Yeah. It's validation. It's validation. Okay, but are we actually looking for validation or are we looking for just doing what we feel like we want to do for ourselves? I mean, I think I when think it comes to, to this. I sorry? think it's both. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, I just said sorry. No, I think that A, we're, we're honoring what's in our heart, what our soul is saying to us, right? What's important. But also, I think validation is really important. At a very fundamental level, we are wired as social creatures. We yeah. all want to be accepted. And so when we show somebody that their opinion, their thoughts, their feelings are being considered, we're providing validation that you matter. You matter as a human being. Mm. That, that in itself, I think that it would, it would make a great topic for another episode, full episode, entire episode, just about, you know, the validation that from society and if we yeah. should care about it or not. Yeah. And, and I think that also goes back to, again, we're raised in this culture of shame. Mm -hmm. And so we often, we create this persona, right? Going back to the original quote, yeah. that's safe to present to the world. But when we do that, we're not allowing ourselves to fully be seen, accepted, and loved. And therefore, we cannot get that validation that our soul craves. Love that. Love that. And that's a powerful message to leave the audience with. But first of all, tell us, Chris, if anyone wants to reach out to you and is not connected with you until today, where can they reach you and what can they reach you for? Yeah, so for um, for the book, that website is Chris Mack, K-R-I-S-M-A-C-C hyphen author.com. Um, and that book, is, hashtag no approval needed, is available on Amazon or other retailers worldwide. There's a Facebook group, which is hashtag no approval needed book. And um, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook. I'm recently rejoined Twitter. <laughs> so I'm all over the place so people can reach out. And then my company website is Chris Mack. Uh, I'm sorry, KMAC Solutions, K-M-A-C-C Solutions.com. And what can you be reached out for? 
So for um, questions about emotional intelligence, for questions about leadership in the workplace, um, obviously the book, public speaking, um, anything like that, I'm open to. Movies, documentaries, <laughs> TED Talks. <laughs> you, you just want to get me money. <laughs> yeah, sign me up for that too. <laughs> you want to fly me to Australia? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, me too. Yeah, no, I want, there are some bucket list places, Australia, Dubai, um, and probably like Tahiti. Those are three places that I have not been to that I would love to go to. Only those three? Okay. No, I mean, there's more, but those are probably like <laughs> top three. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm going to send you an invite when, once I'm in Australia, so you, you've got that one checked. <laughs> Right. We we might see each other there anyway. <gasps> we might. That would be nice. That would be nice. That would be nice. Let's that would that be absolutely fabulous. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much for being me with me today, Chris. I'm sorry that I stumbled up on some words today. I, I apologize to you and the audience as well. But the conversation was so cool that I was like constantly in this state of mind of laughing and feeling well, and I wasn't necessarily paying too much no, attention to the questions, but perfect. I think that, that the, the conversation went well. I do hope so. And yeah. um, I do hope that you, you enjoyed the conversation, and I pray to God that the audience will feel just like we felt. I in, loved it. In this it was very very authentic and organic. There was no real plan here. And that's how I like it because it was just a real conversation. It was real talk. Thank you. Thank you. I never planned from, 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 um, uh, I, I never have planned questions. Yeah. And as you said, I think that is more genuine like this. So yeah. 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 Thanks again. And, um, we'll keep in touch. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you for reaching the end of this episode. I wish you an amazing day ahead. And please, don't forget, smile at life and life will smile right back at you.